Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. No, you're gross. You know you're gross. I don't see, I don't. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's not what we do here on FC. That is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> adjusting himself in his car with the lights on. He doesn't yeah. even turn the light off in his car. Uh, Gremlins too. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, dads, gotta love him. What have I done? What have I done? Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know when you might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. That's right, we're doing the final countdown. Final countdown! Oh, we're done? Oh. <laughs> Not the Europe song, the actual movie, The Final Countdown. A Pacific aircraft carrier enters a time warp and finds itself transported from 1980 to 1941, just before the attack on Pearl Harbor. The captain is forced to decide whether to strike at the approaching Japanese fleet and change the entire course of World War II. Butler, why are we doing The Final Countdown? The Final Countdown is a recommendation from my father, Robert Butler Jr., who has not yet even listened to an episode of this podcast. Do you guys have time for a therapy session for Mike Butler? There's no time for therapy. <laughs> so before we get into the facts and, and everything about the movie and who's in it and, you know, what we thought of it, we wanted to take this opportunity to let Mike's father tell us why he wanted us to do this movie. Now, of course, that might not happen. He might not actually want to do an audio, but we're hoping that this audio is in existence right now. Oh, and- he'll do it. <laughs> take it away, pops. Hi. I'm Bob, Mike Butler's dad, and I suggested that Mike and Mike do a show on the movie Final Countdown. I saw the film when it came out in 1980. I had a friend that worked at the theater, and we watched a lot of movies back then. I've read several books about the 7th, and of course, I've seen the movies. 
So a movie about bringing a jet-laden supercarrier back to 1941 was a no-brainer for me. I was really intrigued by the whole dilemma about having or not having the right to change the past. The idea for the movie probably came from an old Twilight Zone episode from the 60s, where an army tank ended up going back to 1876, and the tank crew agonized over getting involved in the Battle of Little Bighorn. Years later, I was surfing a movie guide, and I saw the final countdown listed. By then, I had forgotten all about the movie. The title looked familiar, and then something clicked, and I wondered if that was the movie where the aircraft carrier traveled back in time. I watched it again, and it still fired up my imagination. Since I had forgotten about the movie and then rediscovered it myself, I thought it would be a good candidate for forgotten cinema. I hope you enjoy hearing what Mike and Mike think about the movie. Thank you. All right. All, all right, right. All right. Excellent. Excellent. I'm sure 10 weeks from now, we'll really like it. I'm sure it's a great explanation. <laughs> and I'm sure it didn't take me like eight weeks of coaxing him to do this at all. Well, you've got time. You've got time. You got the holiday season because we're true. sure recording this before the holidays even begin. So the final countdown came out on Friday, August 1st, 1980. That's right. We are 40 years into the past. And I was five then. What's funny is they're 40 years in the past when they go right. back in time. I was thinking that, too. I was like, <laughs> they are 40 years from Pearl Harbor when we are 40 years from this movie. <laughs> it was a runtime of 103 minutes. It's rated PG. Production budget of $12 million. It's opening weekend. It did not. It's This is more of its first 10 day total. It did 6.1 million. Domestic and worldwide are the same. It did a total of $16.6 million. Its production company was Brenna Productions, I believe. I think that's how you say it. That it is, is actually Kirk Douglas. It's Kirk Douglas's company. It's actually run by his uh, son, Peter Douglas. Uh, this is uh, actually, I guess, a passion project of Peter Douglas's. Uh, it's distributed by United Artists. So I said it came out on August 1st. It came up against The Hunter, for anyone who doesn't know what that is. The week after you had, which is the 8th of August, you had the Fiendish plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. Well, the reason why I said, oh, okay. <laughs> the reason why I mentioned this is a Peter Sellers movie. Uh, it is clearly inappropriate, but it's also Peter Sellers' last film. So it was the last film he did before his death. So that's why I had it in there. Gotcha. But I'm not going to tell anybody to go watch it because it's highly inappropriate. <laughs> I would I would guess by that movie title, it's probably yes. hard to find. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, unless you're a huge Peter Sellers fan, you know, which I, I do like Peter Sellers. But yeah, there's, well, he's good. Listen, different time period. I'm different guessing time. not that, but different no, time. Right. But yes, still doesn't make it right. Uh, you also had Xanadu, which is the Olivia Newton-John uh, musical. And why would I lie? That was, this is all in the eighth. So the week before, I've got a couple. I've got a couple dates here. This is in the eighties, remind you. So July twenty seventh, you had the last flight of Noah's Ark. The twenty fifth of July, you had Caddyshack, and then the eighteenth of July, you had Used Cars, which is the Kurt Russell star, which is actually pretty good. And obviously, Caddyshack is pretty good for everyone out there. Although I did hear a hot take on on Twitter that somebody said it was overrated, which yeah, that's really wrong. You're staring at What's me. What's Caddyshack? Like, exactly. No. No. Overrated. Yeah. And you also had the big red one. Now, the reason why I said the big red one, because the big red one was a movie that took place in World War II. So kind of a little bit similar to what we're doing here. So maybe that could have been a little bit more of a competition there. Was that World War II movie about Japan? Or was uh, that more I didn't really deep dig deep into it, but it uh, yeah. This one was directed by Don Taylor. He has directed Escape from the Planet of the Apes, The Island of Dr. Moreau, Damien, The Omen 2. He's also played Lieutenant James Dunbar in the Starlight 17 show. This is, has multiple screenwriters and stories. So the so Thomas Hunter has a story and screenplay credit. Peter Powell also has a story and screenplay credit. And David Ambrose has the same story and screenplay credit. And then you have a screenplay credit for Jerry Davis. Thomas Hunter 
he's more of an actor. He's been in Web of Deception, uh, X312, Flight to Hell, and The Human Factor. He actually wrote The Human Factor as well. Uh, Peter Powell wrote, co-wrote The Human Factor with Hunter, and that is pretty much his only credit. David Ambrose has written Amityville 3D. He also did Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, the... Uh, who who's the kid in that? The kid from uh, Cloak and Dagger, right? Who plays you ever see Daryl? Maybe it's no. Will Wheaton. It might be Will Wheaton. He's a robot, but he's actually a son. He's like a he he's like a robot that malfunctions. He thinks he's part of a family, but he's anyways. Uh, he also <laughs> he also uh, did Year of the Gun. Uh, Ambrose is actually a, a novelist. He has a ton of books that are out there. Uh, if you're if you know who David Ambrose is and you know what I'm talking about, so yeah, Jerry Davis on the screenplay. He is known for two things, Butler. He is the writer and creator of Doomwatch, the popular TV show in Britain, and also a show you might not you might have heard of Doctor Who. He is Doctor al- Who. Jerry who? Davis is along with Kit Pedler is the person who created the Cybermen. Ah, uh, that's cool. So he has a credit. So every time you see his, he'll he he has passed away. He passed away in ninety one, but you will always see his names in the credits when they have a Cyberman episode because he created the Cybermen. With Kit Peddler. Nice. So, yeah. There you go. A little, 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 uh, little, you know, backstory. Uh, you throw some Doctor Who in there. There you go. Cinematography <laughs> by Victor J. Kemper. His name sounded familiar to me, and I was like, I think we've done a movie from him before. Do you know what it was? I do not. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you some of the other movies first. Dog Day Afternoon. He's done Slapshot, Eyes of Laura Mars, Va- The National Lampoon's Vacations, Cloak and Dagger, and Clue, season five. Nice. Yes. Composer John Scott. He has done North Dallas 40, Greystoke, and Lionheart. And then produced by two producers, Richard R. St. John's, who's done The Wanderers and Fire and Ice, and Lloyd Kaufman, who, if you know who Lloyd, if you know movies, you know Lloyd Kaufman is the founder of Troma Entertainment. So he actually did we go over that already before? I don't believe so. I don't no, think okay. we've got a movie with Kaufman. So yeah, he produced this. So he's an associate producer on the main title, but they have listed a producer in IMDb Pro. Yeah. So but yeah, I think they're re they're remaking all their. They're rebooting all their franchises. I don't know about all of them, but I know that at Class least Newcomb High is that going to be rebooted. I, know I don't know. Toxic Avenger is definitely getting rebooted. I'm pretty sure that Peter Dinklage is in it. They're doing like a trauma cinematic universe type thing. It doesn't need that, but okay. Who cares? <laughs> they can go for it, I guess. I'll be very interested to see what they do with the Toxic Avenger because it is also not necessarily super PC. None of it's PC. None like, of it exactly. Was. So yeah. I'm very interested to see how far they go with what they. Got. I'm sure that they'll they'll tone it back. Uh, I hope. Um, uh, you know what? <laughs> who knows? So uh, this is also edited by Robert K. Lambert, who is a co-editor for Sorcerer, which is a movie that we did in season one, Three Kings and House of a Thousand Corpses. All right. To the cast. You had Kirk Douglas. That's Captain Matthew Yelland. Uh, he has been nominated for an Oscar for Champion, The Bad and the Beautiful, and Lust for Life. He's I've also- never seen The Bad and the Beautiful. Really? Is it good? seen parts so uh, i'm sure it is <laughs> he also is in spartacus he is spartacus and he i put this in there he produced something wicked this way comes he's got a long line of producing credits that you know he was not in so i thought that was interesting cool he obviously had passed away this past year uh, i think in february at 103 years good old. for you good for you sir martin sheen as warren lasky uh, Martin Sheen has never won an Oscar or nor been nominated, which is ridiculous. He's in Badlands, Apocalypse Now. He's on the TV show The West Wing and the movie The Dead Zone. And more recently, he's on the TV show Grace and Frankie. Or it might be Gracie and Frankie. I'm not sure. No Emmy Awards, at least. I think he might have. I for didn't. I don't really write down the Emmys for us since we're more movie based. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has one. Golden Globes. If oh uh, no, there it is. Okay, right. so he has won a couple of Emmys. But I would say this: I mean, he's obviously famously known for Apocalypse Now. I don't, I don't know if people know this, but he had a heart attack while on set of Apocalypse yep. Now. 
Um, but you should really check out Badlands. Though that he's really really good in that. I don't think I have seen Badlands. You, I should check that out. I know everyone knows Martin Sheen from West Wing and from like all like kind of like the fathery stuff now, like the older stuff. He's in uh, Wall Street. Let's play Charlie Sheen's dad in Wall Street. Obviously, famously Charlie Sheen and and Emilio Estevez's father. But it's like he's it, he's also know. in Spawn the movie. Yes, I know. But but <laughs> if you watch some of his earlier stuff, he's very, very good. He is very, very good. Strong. I just haven't seen Badlands before. I got you. Catherine Ross is Laurel Scott. She is nominated for an Oscar for The Graduate. She's also in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Stepford Wives. You had James Ferentino as Co- uh, Commander Richard Owens, who's in Dead and Buried, Bulletproof, and he was on the original TV show Dynasty. Ron O'Neill as Commander Dan Thurman. Now, I'm sitting here and I'm going, I know this guy. I know this guy's voice and I don't know where I know it from. And where I know it from is from from Red Dawn. He play, He was in, he plays, I believe he plays the teacher that gets shot in the beginning. I'm not sure. No, I'm, I, I take it back. I think he's one of the bad guys. I don't know. But he's anyway. in Superfly. He's also Superfly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, which I, I, but I know him from Red Dawn and I've seen parts of Superfly, but then I watched the trailer for Superfly because I just wanted to. but he's also in one of stranger calls that's ron o'neill charles durning as senator sam chapman we've done durning before i can't remember what movie but he was uh, nominated for an oscar for best little whorehouse in texas and to be or not to be he's also in tootsie the hudsucker proxy and dog day afternoon uh he also did not start his acting career until he turned 40 years old all right what's that for me you want me to start i'll start right now (laughs) (laughs) i just like when there's people that started like hey you know, people are like, oh, well, you're too old to start. And like, I hate that. Yeah, like I hate, you're never I hate too old shit. to start doing when like, people tell you your yeah, dreams. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's funny not to get on the sidetrack here. But what's funny <laughs> is that when, you know, all these movies and stories that you, you what you listen to when you and, and when your kids, they tell you, follow your dreams, do this, you know, go for the gold. What do you got to lose? Be bold, be, you know. Be bold, but then like you get to a certain age, and it's like, nah, forget it. You, you it's, aren't you going to settle down? Yeah. And also, I think Tracy was the movie he was in. Oh, there you go. Nice, <laughs> nice, good job. But uh, yeah. Agreed. Never yeah. stop following. So I have one more credit because the guy looked familiar to me and I wanted to know if you knew who he was from. Uh, Soon Tech O as Sumura. He is the guy that they capture. Do you know what movie he's from? No, he did not look familiar to me. He's in The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, is he? Yes. Oh, is he the... Um, he's one of the bad guys. The bad guys yeah. that he sends after yes. the before the yeah. uh, final Because I'm staring at this guy going, I know who this guy is and I don't know where I can place him and I think it's The Man with the Golden Gun. He's also one of the... He's a voice actor for uh, the 98 Mulan animated movie. All right, Butler. I have never seen this movie. I've never heard of this movie. Fun fact. My dad was like, you know what you should do out of all the movies. And the re- one of the reasons I love film is because of my parents. Like okay. they watched a ton of movies and forced me. Well, not forced me. I gladly watched them. Right. Gave me a ton of movies to consume starting when I was like three years old. Never has this movie ever come up in conversation <laughs> in my life. Uh, ever. Ever. And I know I've talked to my father about the Philadelphia experiment, which I've never actually seen, but I know he he likes that. Never have I seen or heard of the Final Countdown ever. So this is also the first time I have heard of it or watched it. And is a I thought based on the trailer we watched, it was going to be so bad, so <laughs> bad. <laughs> the trailer for this movie is god awful, borderline racist, and the film actually. I enjoyed watching it. It was a very like 80s movie. Well, um, yeah, it's it's the trailers it's, back then are not. Great. Yeah, it's got it's got issues. Yeah, but I liked watching it. It was enjoyable. It was it was nice that it was short. However, I think I would have liked it better, surprisingly, if it was a little longer, because I think they cut out. I think they must have had budget issues or something, because it feels like a whole bunch of this movie was cut out. Well, one of the notes I have here is that they had to cut the filming, had to wrap early because they actually shot in the USS Nimitz. 
mm-hmm. and they had a so I mean I told you the plot real quickly I hope you know basically he they get they're on the USS Nimitz and they get sucked into a wormhole and they're then they have to basically they're in the past and then the, the wormhole appears again and they have yeah. to go so, they keep calling it a time storm and they and they got to go back through it again and they're back and that's it um so they shot on the USS Nimitz and I the filming had to wrap early because the the Nimitz got called back home, to home base so they basically had a mission they had to go do so the Nimitz got called back they had a Upload more helicopters and crew because they were going for Operation Eagle Claw, which is that's the failed. Uh, yes. What's that? That's the failed operation. Yeah, it's a failed operation that when they tried to go rescue uh, hostages out of the U.S. Embassy in Iran in 1980. So that the Nimitz was part of that. I but, found that very ironic because the Navy was using this as a big recruitment tool to the Navy. Like, hey, well, let's join my, the Navy. Yeah. And then their whole thing, their whole thing is uh, that exact crew after filming this big recruitment mission failed. I always remember the line in A Few Good Men when they're interviewing Kiefer Sutherland. And because they're part of the Navy and he's part of the army. And he's like, mm-hmm. you got a problem with the Navy? He's like, no, I love the Navy. You go wherever there's a fight. You guys give us a ride. I always, I always love that line. <laughs> Anyways, those are my two notes with the movie. That's my two big notes. This feels like a big promo to join the Navy. There are scenes where it's just straight. Hey, check out these cool planes. Hey, check out this cool stuff. And it doing. was working for me. <laughs> well, maybe you want to sign up. But the other thing is there's no plot in this movie. It's a big, what if this happens? It's like somebody sat down and be like, you know, what if this happened? Yeah. And then that was it. That's why I feel like a good 20 minutes of this movie is cut out because they never do anything with it. The time storm comes right before there's any kind of consequence that they may or may not cause. Yeah. There's, there's no conflict because the storm takes them out of it. So, but there's two, the two times that they go through the time storm, there's a, there's planes that are not on the deck. So there's that one officer plane that can't get back. And then he suddenly appears. So he goes through the same storm, I guess. And then the whole fleet is out. Or not the whole fleet. The whole air fleet is out. And Most of the fleet, yeah. yeah. You're assuming they go through the time storm again, but you never see that. Now, I think the first time that happens is because uh, the other note I have is when they were on the USS Nimitz, there actually was a rescue landing that needed to be performed. So that when that pilot's coming in and they bring up the rescue net. Mm-hmm. That's actually real. Okay, so that was a plan. They were like, let's get they this shot that. Okay. Yes, and I think they worked that within to the story. So I think that's why you had it the first time. The, se- the second time, that I guess that's part of the story. I guess they just didn't want to have another, because they, they didn't want to have another 20 minutes of them landing. Well, that was one of my notes is the first guy who comes down, the storm obviously affects him. He's all passed out. He barely right. makes the landing. Mm-hmm. And then the next couple, the, the guys going, the fleet going through, everyone seems to be fine. One, two, three, the right. landings are all okay. So that makes sense, though. If it was really an emergency landing, maybe he did pass out. Right, right. Uh, The did you notice one of the other things I I noticed on on the movie that really kind of was was not was annoying me was the out of focus, the soft focus. Yes, the focus was all over. So this was shot two three nine one or two three nine, and that's widescreen. It was shot anamorphic widescreen. Now I'm watching it, and I'm just like. There are people within that part of the frame that are having conversations. And I'm thinking back when there's a slight hostage situation with the Japanese airmen that they shoot down. Yep. And he Lansky's in the foreground and in the, in the background is Commander Owens and, and Catherine Ross's character, Laurel Scott. Yes. And Owens delivers a line and he is completely, completely soft. Yep. I have that note. There's a couple a couple times that happens and it's really, really bad. And I don't know if that's just, I get it. You're in anamorphic, so it's very difficult to find focus. You need to find the focus in the frame and then that's it. You Everything else kind of goes off the wayside. Right. 
And I actually sent a text to my buddy, Adrian, who's a cinematographer. He's worked on uh, more recently, the flight attendant, which is on HBO max. And he did, he did a season of glow and he actually did the first season of love life. And I asked him, I said, listen, uh, wh- what's going on here? Explain to me, you know, why this looks like that. Right. And he never got back to me because he's a big jerk. So <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting some no, big explanation. Me too. I was like, listen, I'm, uh, I'm watching this movie. And he's like, what'd you watch? I go, Oh, it's the, it's the final countdown from 1980. And that was two days ago. And I've yet, maybe to he's him. watching, maybe he's about to, to text you. To back. be fair, he's, I think he's shooting a commercial in the city right now. So I, uh, that, he's a really busy guy. Give him a, give him a call. He's right a crappy now. friend. Give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is this guy, the same cinematographer did dog day afternoon, uh, I mean, Vacation's not like known for its cinematography. Uh, right. And Clue, these are big movies that, especially Clue, we covered this episode. Well, we never had any issues. Well, Clue shot one eight five. It's not anamorphic. Anamorphic is a is a beast. Yeah, I just, and I know that you can't really see your footage until you're done and you print your dailies. Back but, then, yes. I mean, that's the excuse I give everything when something's out of focus is, well, they don't get the dailies back till the next day, and they're shooting on the Nimitz, so they that's can't the go thing. back and reshoot. Yeah. But some of these, there's so many of these shots that it's just kind of like, what? But also, I don't know, like, it's such tight quarters on a submarine. I'm surprised they decided to shoot an anamorphic like that. I I don't know. I mean, maybe that, I mean, it looks, that probably was looks just... great for the, the fighter pilot scenes and stuff. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, this, this is the type of movie that if it's shot now, it, it's shot in IMAX cameras. Exactly. Yeah. But then scaled back when you go inside. Yeah. Which yeah. nowadays doesn't bother anybody because you're used to that change of format mid mid scene well one of the notes i had here also was that there was a lot of unrest and dissent amongst the crew so i guess there it wasn't a happy set let's put it that way well yeah and you're on the ship you're shooting and like they at the end in the credits they list like 48 to 50 guys that are straight that were just u.s navy personnel that were in the movie they were actually just using as background actors and stuff like that and they some had lines and you could tell kind of who was acting especially like when they had the commandos coming forward, not the commandos, but like the army guys coming forward. I imagine to, those are Marines. Yeah. Yeah. And they're when the, the, the same hostage situation we we're talking about, yep. you can kind of tell one of the guys wasn't an actor. Cause he was trying to like hold the gun up and it, it seemed a little off. There were, yeah, there's a couple of guys on the bridge yep. who are absolutely doing stuff who kind of seem out of place. And when there's lines, they kind of look, they never really burn the camera directly, but they do kind of look around. You could tell they're not comfortable on. on yeah. Film. So yeah. I, I could tell like some of them on the bridge were. Yeah. Uh, we can't like go because we have responsibilities. Yeah. So they were just kind of relegated to actually being on set. But the unrest, though, like you said, they're on a tight ship. I wonder if uh, I wondered if a lot of that unrest was maybe just being on close quarters. Oh, like I'm sure. Got to these people that aren't trained for that kind of thing. I'm sure. Like, you know, I can understand why if you're just trying to get the shot or you don't, you know, like you're talking about, like, why doesn't the cinematographer really pay attention too much to the the soft people talking in the soft focus? Like, maybe he's just kind of like, let's just get this done like that. Maybe it's something like that, a situation yeah. like that. I mean, I know that we shot a short. I know that we shot a short film uh, over the winter and it was just freezing. And mm-hmm. like at some point we're like, I'm done, but we just, let's go. We got to, you know, it, it, I get it. You know, it, 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 it's sometimes it becomes a job it, and it's, you know, it is a passion for a lot of people, but sometimes some days it's a job. And right. It's tough. Absolutely. What did you think about the acting? The performances start from the top. That's I think that some of the dialogue is really bad. Okay. So some of the dialogue is kind of cheesy. A lot of Martin Sheen's exposition dumps are just kind of like, all right, 
his postulating about time. They get to that point really quick. Martin Sheen gets to that believability point faster than everybody. And just because it has to be that way. Right. I know they had that moment where uh, Yelland, or which is Kirk Douglas's character, the captain, finds that photo, the exact photo yeah. that's in the book that uh, uh, Commander, I forget his name, fucker. <laughs> uh, so it's in the it's he finds that exact photo that commander owens has in his book because he's writing a book about yeah i guess they say history whatever he's, they don't mention what he's writing about i'm assuming it's pearl harbor it's pearl harbor yeah so they do have that moment where he kind of makes that connection but yeah they they get to the believability of what they're what where they are just because they need to right there's also i mean some of the dialogue is like a lot of Catherine Ross's dialogue with Owens in the the med bay is a little okay. You're, you're going to force romance here because that's you have exactly to. what that is. And it's like, well, if the women, if my beauty lets me get here, they they should wait for me. Watch out when I get in. It's like and- it's like you know, I I don't want to just say look, I don't want to toss this as blame. This is on the '80s or the '70s or the '90s, but this is almost like in almost every film when there's a female in the film, it's like. Clearly, there's a romantic. They're, they're going to do some kind of romance. Doesn't pass that Brechtel test. It's annoying. <laughs> it's so because it's so, you know, it's coming. But they also do it. I mean, this is the 80s and I hate when movies in the 80s revert to the 1960s soft light. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all they know. Q, and yeah. then it's like that. And it's like, this is 20 years removed from that. Yeah. Stop. This isn't an episode right. of Star Trek or Bonanza. You don't need that. But that's what, see, but I get that. And I agree with you. But you have people on here working that have worked in the business for 20 to 30 years. That's what they know. Yeah. That's what they're going to fall back on. I think I've always said this with actors. You know, at some point, actors stop thinking they have to learn. Like there's, you know, and yeah, they stick with that. Era and their performances acting, suffer. Right. And to his credit, I'll just use Al Pacino. It's clear that Al Pacino even in his later years, has found something. He's trying to still learn something in his performances, and it comes through. Absolutely. Um, you know, like, but, but sometimes you'll have a dip of actors who are like for 10, 15 years, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, they're just doing crap or just not, they're phoning it in almost. And that's because, and that's true for cinematographers, that's true for directors. And, you know, at some point you get in this business because you're inspired to tell stories and you're inspired to learn new things. And then at some point, it becomes a job again. And it becomes just something like that. Right. Just, you know, I'll do, I know this is what, this is what I've always done. This is what I'll always do. I'll light it this way. Well, it's like Don Taylor. This is his last uh, feature film. Right. After that, he goes and does TV movies. Right. I and wonder that, if this is why. Well, you do TV a <laughs> lot of times. Back on that. You do. Well, not just falling back, but it's TV. Maybe back then. And even a little bit now is more consistent. So you get up, go, go to work, come back, right. get up, go to, you don't have, you're not on set and on a location for four months away from your family. That's why a lot of, you see a lot of actors, you see a lot of people who go to TV because it becomes a nine to five job and they're still doing what they love and they're just doing that kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and you know what? I'm not going to knock that. That's great. That's fine. You're still doing what you do. You want to do. And that's great. But you know, that's why you see that. Yeah. Uh, but in, in terms of the act, I do yeah. think some people were really good. I think I really like uh, Charles Durning's turn as Chapman. Although I think the end oh, is a little over ridiculous. The top sometimes. Oh, sometimes, but I still like him. He's got personality that I think sh- shows I th- through. I think it should be a negative on his character that he's friends with that dude Arthur, who's clearly a creep. <laughs> he's a politician. He's just trying to get the politician true, stuff done. True. But I do like that he's clearly anti-war, but he's kind of a tough guy. He's he's he'd like to sleep with Catherine oh, Ross's God, character, yeah. but he doesn't. He's not like over the top creepy about it. I mean, he's 1940s creepy about it. That's normal. <laughs> the normal amount, I guess, that was acceptable back then. Uh, 
<laughs> He's actually a, a, a fictional character. Yes, I read that. Yeah. So they, they in the movie, they say that Chapman is somebody who's next in line to be the vice president. If he hadn't died the he, day he before. Just, yeah, he mysteriously disappeared and they didn't. But he was a completely made up character. So if he lived, they basically he'd been able to convince FDR not to go to war. I guess. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, okay. But I, I do like that character and I do like that he's. I don't know. I, I, I didn't think he was. He was a little over the top, but he wasn't a cartoon where he was one thing or the other thing. And I think I while I like that, I did not like. Lasky's uh, Martin Sheen's character's complete flip flopping of what he wanted to do with the chance they have of going back in time. He, he starts with, "We should mess with time." No, we shouldn't mess with time. We should mess with time. No, we shouldn't. And then he's so full heartedly, "Let's mess with time and 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 blow those Japs up." And and like, where is this coming from? Before you just ten minutes ago, we're talking about not messing with time. But he's got no power on the ship. Like he has no influence. No, he's supposed to be us. He's the observer he's, who's also watching military yeah. life. Huh? So when he's saying stuff or when he's trying to convince the captain or anything, there's no threat of his of the captain ever listening to him. Do you know what I mean? So you're just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess he's a big DOD guy, so it's kind of like the department well, of Well, they make guy, it but. seem like he they say that he his predecessor, he there because they he built the ship. Like he's responsible he, for a lot of the technology on the show. Right, right. So he's just making sure that the military is using it as effectively as possible. And then you find out later that it's actually Mr. Tideman is actually because what ends up happening is come uh, commander. I'm going to phrase his name again. Commander Owens ends up on an island with Laurel Scott, which is Captain Ross's character. Right. And then they don't go back in time. Yeah, they, they don't stuck. go back in time because Chapman fires off a flare inside the helicopter, which immediately blows it up. Apparently. Yeah, I was like, I don't think that's how helicopters yeah. work. Just because the dude says it, hey, man, you're going to light us all on fire. doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> and so then it does. They explode. And so they stay there in the past. And then they, I guess, turn, they get married. They fall in love. They get married. And then they build technology. Oh, uh, yeah. Then he uses his information <laughs> clearly for bad purposes. Yeah. Uh, which. He was the one guy who stalwartly did not want to change time. I w- I- and then he clearly went and went, guys, I have all these ideas. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't really. It was just kind of like, oh, it was like one of those moments. You're just Maybe he got back to the mainland and went, being poor in the 40s sucks. But you knew, <laughs> but you knew that was the, the twist. See, I thought at first when it first started and Lasky wants to go and thank Mr. Tideman for the position. And then goes, oh, no, you can't see Mr. Tideman. He just wants to watch you go. I My first note is, oh, that's clearly old man Lasky. That'd be better. And then as soon as Lasky found the Pearl Harbor book by, for no reason, sneaking into somebody else's private cabin. <laughs> he does it twice. Yeah. Well, the, the second time he wants information. The second time it's like, okay. The first time it's just, <laughs> you're being a douche. Uh, but he goes and finds the book. As soon as he finds that Pearl Harbor book, I was like, oh, okay, that's Owens that watched him. It's pretty clear from the beginning. I mean, back in the 80s where maybe time travel stuff, there wasn't quite as much of that kind of <gasps> twist time travel right, stuff. Right. Maybe people were like, oh, snap. Yeah. But now after watching ad nauseum time travel stuff, which I say ad nauseum with all the, I love time travel stuff, but well, you, also you had, know that twist You is also coming. had a lot of sci-fi going on back then. I mean, you had Close Encounters of the Third Kind that came out in the late 70s. So you had people, and, and other movies, but you had people already intrigued uh, about that kind of like mystical. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I know this is the time, not aliens, but still, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, but I knew that twist. Yeah, clearly that twist was coming to begin with. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I don't know how I felt about Kirk Douglas's character. He's Leland, just Leland was there. Like there, yeah. He wasn't 
super commanding. He wasn't super angry. I, I do like that he was more of a regular guy, I guess. He's just there. I, I think that he's just kind of... His decisions were terrible. I didn't understand his decisions. And he kept saying, like, I know the crew knows that we're in the fort, is it? but you've never addressed it. And 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 you keep you keep saying, like, I know the crew's looking at me. I know the crew's looking... But you never address it. You just... Not until, like, let's kill the Japanese. I, it just seems like he... he he doesn't come off as a captain, a captain who has served in Vietnam, who has, you know, hardened those, you know. Right. You see work. it is his cabin, right. all the Vietnam medals and stuff but like that. But he comes off as, you know, Uncle Matt. Hey, I'm, I'm on the boat. Yep. Hey, guys. Hey, come here. You guys want to lie pop? Like, he doesn't come off as any kind of hardened captain. It's very odd. It's a very odd performance uh, it, on his part. It's definitely not your typical, you know. Captain Kirk's, Captain Picard's, or even like your Denzel Washington's from Crimson Tide. Right. He's nothing. There's no serious. Nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. And he's obviously did this movie because he he got into producing because Lancaster was into producing and they were obviously best friends. Yep. And his son's running the production company, so he's working with his son. Michael Douglas was actually was going to play Lansky, uh, I guess, but he was in post production and publicity for the China Syndrome. So he couldn't do it. So this was going to be like a family affair type thing. Yeah. That's so what, yeah. it doesn't seem like it was more of like, it was more about working with my family than it was about, hey, this script is fantastic. Let's do it. Which is why he seems out of place. He's also really old. Well, he's in his 60s here. Right? This dude. Yes. This dude was in and fought in World War II. Yes. So now he's pretending he barely knows anything about World War II. And the whole time I'm, I'm watching the movie, it's like, I know some stuff about Kirk Douglas from college. I know this dude got drafted. I, I went back to look it up and it's like, this dude was in the war for five years. Yeah. This is not the movie where you would say this. If somebody says like, oh, I don't like Kirk Douglas. This is not the movie you say like, well, watch this. This is not that movie. Right. No, not, not at all. This no. isn't one that like really shows off his chops. Right. Right. Not that it's a bad movie. It's just... You're no, not getting anything from Kirk Douglas. Like I said, it's going to be like, ooh. Well, there's no plot. Like I said, it's just a, it's a big what if. It's a big question. It, it's a promo for the Navy, pretty much. It's, you know, and it's, that's it. And and everything else is, it's nice seeing them on screen, but there's not a lot of meat here. That's why I think an extra 20 minutes would really help. I think that, you know, they go, would help. they go back in time. It's obviously, what do we do with the... With the zeros. Well, they, 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 so they do, they down those zeros so that they've obviously already have, have affected history. Right. So, I mean, but, but were there's they no meant, repercussions. For were them. they meant to have already destroyed those zeros to begin with? Were the zeros always meant to blow up Sam Chapman's boat, the Gatsby? I imagine because he was never supposed to be there to protest World War II. Right. Right. So he had to die or get sent to the island or whatever. Right. Uh, which they kind of broach a little bit when they're in the war room. Mm-hmm. Lasky kind of says, this, maybe we already did do this. Maybe we already attacked him. And I thought when the movie began, I was figuring, and this is just me postulating what the plot was going to be beforehand. I just picture you sitting there watching the movie going, hmm. That's basically what I try to do in these kind of movies. Like try to expect it before it happens. And which at least sometimes loves and sometimes hate when I watch movies. <laughs> uh, but I expected there to be like a larger Japanese fleet. And it's like, oh, what? there's 30 extra cruisers or something like that. Well, you, well we got to at least scale it back to the You right expected size. them to see it. They, they do mention right. it, but you never. And you they see do it on sh- radar. No, they do fly over it at yeah. one point, but that's it. Uh, yeah, it's an extra like 20 minutes of actually like deciding what they do if they do it. It never seems to be an issue. Uh, Leland at the start is 
I'm going to kill these Japanese because I need to defend the country. Well, he's back said, in time or he, not. This is our job. As soon as they go back in time, he's like, we're at war. And then, but you know, even if you show up and no one, and even like uh, Chapman tries to call Pearl Harbor and they tell him that, oh, you're cracked, get lost. And, and I love that line. And Yellen's laughing. And he's like, because he knows it's ridiculous. Like, what do you think they're going to do to you when you show up? Exactly. Listen, asshole. <laughs> you tell that other asshole. <laughs> the Nimitz. Why is this? Why is yep. a ship named after an active duty admiral? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. I thought that was actually interesting that he can't contact anything from 1941. I'd even think about that. Nothing works on those frequencies. Well, because they have all the advanced technology, exactly. so they have to actually use the lower band. Uh, tech which takes f- apparently 45 minutes to engineer because he says it like two times oh i just gotta rework the uh frequency but we'll do it you no, can- i, I kind of liked that you know it wasn't just like oh yeah we're tapping in because that's a that's a big star trek and sci-fi thing it's just like oh we need to make it match this technology right beep boop boop oh it's done beep boop boop <laughs> nice how's that work that's my sci-fi sound <laughs> beep boop boop uh the other thing was that there's no mourning of the loss of their crew or people like that. They lost about 10 people. Oh, when the uh, Japanese officer kills well, when he shoots up like three or four mm-hmm. and the helicopter, the heel that blows up. Like I thought the same thing. That was Leland's best man. Yeah. Cause he figured that Owens got blown up. And no, yeah. nothing. Never mind the fact that you have now left future tech in the past blown up, mind you, but still near Hawaii, someone's going to find it. No, it's like bottom. the Terminator. It's but, like yeah. Terminator technology here. <laughs> maybe that's how we got jet technology maybe that's how we got helicopters man maybe have. owens took the uh took the debris and it was like all right but see yeah. then then when they're on the nimitz something should have changed and we should have noticed it you know what i mean like they're McFly tech- style <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just saying like that's something that you can do there exactly they don't play with time as much as they should right they so the black and white footage that they have for the pearl harbor attack is actually taken from the movie torah 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 so mm-hmm. they actually use that from another movie uh, and they also, a couple other things, the time travel storm that you see, that effect is actually from the TV movie, The Lathe of he- Heaven. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have not. I had not, but I, I read that and I was like, okay. Yeah. And the other note I have in terms of production value is that there's a moment when the F-14s are playing with the Zeros because he says, don't fire on them, just play with them. And yeah. they're like, what are we doing here? And then fire on them. Okay. Uh, so the part where the F-14 goes, does a huge dive, a steep dive. And on, on, I thought he was going to crash. And yeah. It hits the, hits the water. That the sound of that happening is the mix of the jet engine and the actual wife of the pilot screaming when she first saw the clip when they showed it to her. <laughs> so they mixed that in there, which I thought was pretty cool. That that's pretty wild. And they actually filmed this in the Atlantic, not the Pacific, even though this takes place in the Pacific. Right. The Nimitz is an was an Atlantic based vehicle until like, like 1987. Yeah. So obviously that makes sense too when we go back to the story of them going to the to Iran for the U.S. Embassy failed mission operation right. uh, Eagle Claw. Yeah, they're in the Atlantic. So they go back to port and then go over the Atlantic to Iran. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I thought a lot of the footage was really well done, though, in terms of the aerial footage. Well, look, I thought, it, I thought it that looks was great. It looks great in terms of, you know, all the U.S. Navy stuff. That's why I was saying, like, this is a promo video. Well, I was just, stuff I'm great. just saying I, I'm, I was very impressed by the way they were able to handle and take some of the footage. Right. Like the footage of them refueling was really cool. Yep. Uh, the fact that they were able to get a lot of those shots. I mean, this is what Top Gun is 89, 90. No, Top Gun is 86, 86, 85. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is a few, this is half a decade before Top Gun. And I think some of the footage in terms of the air flight stuff is actually better than Top Gun. It's a little more, I don't know, risk taking in, in a way. You know, Top Gun's a lot of the stuff is, is shot from down below or in the cockpit, whereas 
this is really shot from another, clearly another plane following the jets and doing Top, all that stuff. Top Gun has an, a massive amount of style in that, in there rather than this. This movie is Chris presented as is. You know, I get I mean? that. I'm not saying this is yeah. Top Gun's not as is is worse Gun, than this. Uh, no, Top I'm Gun's saying better. the I'm saying the footage of the the fighter jets and stuff like that, the actual action scenes, right, is better than Top Gun. Okay, it's well, well filmed. You're 19 years old in 1986, and I show you the final countdown, and then I show you Top Gun. What movie is going to make you want to go be a fighter pilot for the U.S. Well, Navy? Top Gun, yeah, exactly. So that's the better move. I'm saying that's the better recruitment tool i get that yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. not saying anything about being a, nah. i'm just saying in terms of the cinema the aerial sure. cinematography uh, i guess yeah i don't know i just i think you're just trying to shit on the movie at this no point. i'm not i'm if saying I'm telling you that's footage good you're just like yeah but then in this but i'm like, no i'm saying it no it it looks good in the fact that it feels documentary like like it feels like that's real i'm trying to give some pros and you're coming I'm not back giving pro. different I'm, I'm telling you because i'm telling you that i agree with you that but it's more I view it more as, like I said, documentary style, like, 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 wow, that looks really good. I could see that on the History Channel, whereas Top Gun has a lot more style to it in, t- in terms of the aerial stuff, because I know they have the same thing. They have, ca- they have the cameras mounted on the planes and stuff like that. So there's a little you're, and I feel Top Gun's more visceral in terms of being in the sky with these guys. They do use more yeah, cockpit that's stuff. All. That's all. But I think when you actually see from the, the outside shots of the jets, a lot of the outside shots of the jets in Top Gun. Are definitely like just watching from the ground. Right, right, right. I also like the amount. I mean, obviously they got the Navy's approval, but I like the amount of ships that they use. Oh, like, this there's is, a this lot is, of different fighter jets in there. Yeah, this movie is completely made with cooperation of the U.S. Navy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Just don't mention Area 51, and the uh, military is perfectly fine with you using all their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so now, before you watch this movie, mm-hmm. I said to you, "There's a line in this movie that you're gonna watch. You're gonna listen. To, you're gonna be like, oh boy, come on now.'" What line was that, Butler? I didn't. I was trying to catch it. I Shut didn't up. hear it. Okay, so I might have been writing a note when it okay. happened in the beginning. Yep. When the when the storm first comes, he's like, "Get black cloud up oh, here." Oh yeah, yeah, no, the the there rain dance, the rain dance line. Yeah. Yep. So, I was waiting for a line about Japanese people. Oh no, 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 no. no, so, no yeah, in, that in rain the, dance line. So they have down. a Native American that is there. I guess I don't know what you are in the Navy, but a weatherman or just kind of like a meteorologist, or you just track the weather. I think patterns. he's a meteorologist. Yeah. yeah. And his name was Black Cloud, and he comes up and. Yellen's character goes, Black Cloud, you've been doing unauthorized rain dances again? I'm just like, mm, come on now. I mean, yeah. I get it. If you're friendly and that's kind of your banter, sure. And it's the 80s, so I understand. But that's not going to pass muster here. Uh, that's not going to be done here today. No. But still, it was just, that was the only thing, though. That was the that only, was the only Well, I remember in the trailer, they, they call uh, they call the Japanese uh, a racist term in the trailer and i was waiting for like more of that line but i don't think even think that one line appeared in the actual film well, so they might have cut that well, before yeah, because it, it, it wouldn't make sense for somebody in the 80s to do it to have such a antagonistic view of, of the, japanese. the japanese army right. in the 40s because they're 40 years removed from that exactly yeah you know i get it and when you're in world war ii and you're fighting yes i get that because that's just how your anger comes out well, by this 1980 we're allies with the the japanese and stuff <laughs> you got a japanese officer on their ship well, we rebuilt their cities because you know we did some bad stuff. Oh, what do we do? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> we did bad stuff. I didn't do it, but the yeah. United States of America, not us. Bad things. Yeah, Shocker. no. Shocker. That never happened. What do you think about the USS Arizona Memorial? Like, let me ask you this. Oh, question. when they showed it, a personal note. When you go to something like that, mm-hmm. and the USS Arizona Memorial as to as to the memory of all these people, you're going to bring up away. something that I have a note about. I'm sure, but continue. <laughs> the, they, they pass away, and you're there, and you know it's a very solemn. Uh, to me, it would be a very solemn place to go i wouldn't be i 
wouldn't be with my fucking camera taking photos like I was at Disney yeah, World. Yeah, wearing your lay with your bright clothes, oh smiling God. and pointing like, at things I mean, and that's taking just, pictures. Maybe that's just me. It, to me, it, that, that, a place like that doesn't feel like a tourist attraction. It feels like you go there to pay your respects. Right. But not to... Not I to get, take pictures and but, smile and be like, oh. Right. But that's what happens. That's what people do, and that's fine. I get, But to me, I... I wouldn't be doing that. No, I, I, don't, I, yeah. I hated that shot. Yeah. I was like, stop smiling. Yeah. Stop mm, taking pictures. pictures. Just and, look down at it. And they have that moment where they actually pass it on the ship and they all face, they all stand I up. believe you have to when no, you pass by it. As you should. Yeah. And they all face in the honor. And I get that. Like, that's the more respectable way to respond to that. Not, I just, like, I would go there, but I would be like, I, I, if I'm with somebody, I'd be like, do not act like you're at disney world please like you know what i mean like i wouldn't you have to oh yeah respect well that's that. the yeah. thing like you go with your kids and you tell them what happened like there's a yeah. hundred there's people still buried there's dead still, people yeah. in yes. that boat yes. and they, they died horribly yes and stuff like that unfortunately you cannot go to the arizona memorial anymore oh really I didn't it know is that. um too far gone at this point that they don't want any more tourists because it will just ruin it the actual further. thing they built the thing they built uh is just closed down i believe because the arizona underneath is, is sinking because of what they built and all that kind of stuff i believe is is sinking and eroding faster than it should wow so they i think believe they've closed it down unless they figured out i oh, hadn't no, read no. That's reopening fine. it but last i read it was closed interesting down. so they'll never bring that up i don't know yeah that's interesting we should have looked that up the last time i read it it was closed down yeah all right well, you know what not, not to bring it back but uh <laughs> i love the fact that they're laughing at the russian troller spying on them <laughs> oh yeah like because because it's like they know they're out there like what's that russian ship what's that russian fish ship doing they're not fishing he's <laughs> <laughs> laughing then they bring it up again the second time in the control room how's that russia how's the trawler doing uh it's still looking for its quote-unquote big fish <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it's just so it's funny because it's true and it's exactly. just, it makes me laugh it's you know it's that kind of like wink wink spy thing like yeah we know you're out there you know that kind of stuff and do we know you're out there yeah and they actually because i think they reference it later on because they don't have that chatter anymore when they're in the 40s like that get the trawlers right, one of the ones they right. Try to so they reference with. like another aspect of the fact that they're not in the where they're supposed to be they're not in the present they're in the past i do like that time travel is not fun <laughs> seriously going to that wormhole is terrifying Jeez. i also like that lasky covers the dog's ears when they go back to oh the what present. a nice guy what a nice I was like, guy yeah save the dog that whole time i'm like if you kill that dog i just and then he lives and then like they go to rescue the two people and they leave the dog behind i'm like you are not leaving that so, dog okay, in so, that box. so speaking of that so when they go to save uh when they go to save them in the water and and owens jumps in and and Laurel Scott Laurel's trying to grab the dog. He's like, leave the damn dog alone. And I'm like, geez. And then the next shot is him coming up going, hey, yeah. oh, you just told her. You just yelled at her. Well, because if she takes a dog, I can't look like a hero. <laughs> also, obviously, she has no idea how to get up in a helicopter. So Come they on, don't want her to hold the dog. That thing on, go up. They don't even know what a helicopter is. He's still like, what is that thing? Which <laughs> I'm not positive. And I know helicopters weren't like a common thing back then. But I'm sure helicopter technology was developed was. at that point. Uh, so fun fact, yes. I wrote a script that takes place in the 40s and I had to look up and make because at the end of it, I had some helicopter and it's not a they had more like one manned copper. Copters. Yeah, they were the yeah, smaller yeah, things. Yeah, because yeah. so I because he picks them up, somebody off the train with it. OK, never mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. But it's not as yes, it's, it's not as big. Right, but he wouldn't right. be like, especially the guy who says I would know of any technology coming through the military. Mm -hmm. Chapman would would know that what that was yeah no i hear so he's you. like what the hell is that yeah it's just a giant version of something you already have right although i do like the the look of those helicopters what, i've never the, seen ones that are so like the helo like, the, the helo that picks them up is so like jaggy 
Okay. With a lot of sharp corners. I'd never seen something like I'm that. I'm sure I'm sure that, you know, my father well, he's retired. My my sister works at they work at Skorsky. So I'm wondering if that like usually back in the day when we'd watch a movie and there'd be a helicopter or something, I, your father would be like, Oh, Skorsky. Like he'd always just he'd, <laughs> he'd know. And I'd be like, So okay. So I'm wondering, since let's bring it back to your father, mm-hmm. why do you think your dad liked this movie so much? I know he said why he liked it. And, but we're but, ten weeks. But we're ten weeks in the past. It, so. <gasps> like in this movie, I'm gonna. Have, are we gonna have to go through a horrifying wormhole? <laughs> no, my ears can't take that, man. Uh, I think he liked the time travel aspect. Right. I think he liked, much like I do, the idea of time travel. The kind of the what if question, the paradigm that it creates. Correct, the what if question. I don't think this handles it. Right at the end, when they finally have a chance to, the wormhole conveniently sucks it up, almost like the ghost of Christmas past. It's like chasing them. It says at some point, like it, 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 it must we be coming direction. It's coming for us. Yeah, so it's like we don't have a choice, Lasky. So like Leland is kind of. I think Leland is relieved. I do like that part of Leland. His staunch, like I have to protect America. When the storm shows up, he's just like, oh, thank God, I don't have to. <laughs> I'm not making these decisions. This is in God's hands now. Let's just get the hell out of here. <laughs> I wouldn't be so calm about it sending me back where we were supposed to go. I'd be afraid it was going to send me back another 40 years. Yeah, that's true. But I'd probably be better. The sequel. Ooh. The final, final countdown. The final, final countdown. We had to stop these. Uh, it's the final, final. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna lose the war of 1812. <laughs> America's just become a country. We're going to lose. Nice. We got to sink these ships. <laughs> So I guess I have, and I told you this before we started recording, uh, that the rock band Europe wrote a song. They were inspired by the movie's title. Now, I don't know if that's true. I mean, maybe, maybe they saw the title of the movie and like, oh, let's make a song. But I don't know if that's true. I, I kind of, I don't know if I believe that note. No, me neither. Yeah. But I guess Nimitz uses that song after they've refueled or resupplied. I guess, no, they use, no, they don't use that song. They use the score that Scott wrote. Oh, for they them. use the score. Yes. Okay. So I guess it's like only known in, I, I saw that note too, where after you restock or re-up as they call it. Yep. Uh, there's a, the captain picks a song for the ship that always plays. And some people play like, I think they said like the Rocky theme is for one of them and stuff like the that. The box, the USS right. Boxer, the, the Enterprise Nimitz, plays the Star Trek theme. The Nimitz was pl- would, would play the the theme of this movie as the song. Okay. I thought they so played yes. the others. Okay. No, 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 no. I mean, unless that's changed, but no, that's the note I said. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I guess, would you, I'm more interested because you've asked me if I like this movie and, and I want to know, because when I asked you yesterday, because I was afraid this movie was going to be god awful based on the trailer, right? You told me it's not that bad; it's okay. Yeah. So I'm more interested. Do you think people? You would you recommend this movie? Do you think? Then I'll tell my answer. But I'm more interested in yours. I right would now. only recommend this movie to people that like the armed forces, mm-hmm. that like, uh, that are that I know that are into like just the Navy, just into kind of the History Channel type stuff. Like right. my father-in-law, I'd probably recommend this movie too. Uh, you know, because he served. So I think people just in that regard, yes. But if you're, I don't think I would recommend this to somebody who, like I said, I wouldn't recommend this as terms of like, oh, you don't like, you don't know about Kirk Douglas, watch these movies. That's not, I'm not recommending that. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't, the sci fi, the angle is, the what if question is interesting, but I've seen it done better and with a plot and a story. The fact that there's no plot in here as the writer mm-hmm. in me. It really turns me off to it, but it's not, like I said, it's still impressive watching all the stuff going off on the ship and all the, all the planes and all the helicopters and the rescue. When the, right. When the, Pre-CG, when the, right. pre-giant. That, all that stuff, stuff is, right. that stuff's impressive. And I, and I respect that 
but in terms of like a feature film telling a story, it's, it's not, I don't think it's something that I would really recommend to a lot of people that I know are into, into movies. It's, Do you think this feels like a TV movie? I think it's shot like that. I think, like I said, I think it's a very documentary style feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's what it makes it more impressive in terms of the actual planes and helicopters and all that stuff and the ship. And it's, it's fascinating. I'm fascinated by like where all the stuff goes when they're on, like when all the planes land and they got to taxi them to the side, like that stuff is fascinating. Like all, cause a, 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 an aircraft carrier like that, mm -hmm. you, you have, you're trying to put as much stuff on that aircraft carrier as possible. Yeah. And you have to figure out how to do that so that people can still live and move around and you can have, you know, and the fact that they, when the two blasts, I don't know what they're called. Those, not the blast doors, but those two metal things come up so that the, when the airplane gears up to go off to, to launch off the aircraft. Oh, carrier, yep. Yeah. Like all that stuff is fascinating. Just the technology that goes into that. So the, in and of itself, the aircraft carrier is it's fascinating. I think this would play well on like the history channel. Like if you were like, if you had this, Hey, the final countdown star Kirk Douglas is playing tonight at eight o'clock. At 10 o'clock after that, we're going to have the history of the aircraft carriers. Like that's That'd where cool, it would go. The movie would gauge your interest right. and be like, like you said, I want to look this up. Now. This movie would work well in like a T a, a school setting, like stuff like that. Like this is one of those type yeah. of films. It, and these type of movies serve that purpose. You, you, you know, that it serves a purpose for that regard. And that's great. And I just, but otherwise in terms of like, you know, filmmakers and people who are into, you know, storytelling and stuff like that, I don't think this is something that they would probably particularly understand but right. I think on the other aspect of people who like docs, people who like the military, people who are interested in the armed forces or interested in just how, you know, what the Navy does and what they're all about. I think that is somebody that's who I'd recommend it to. Would you show this to like a kid, like 10, 12 years old, who's really into like planes and stuff like that? I think they would like the, the I think real stuff I would, they would like the real stuff, but I think once the story starts kicking in and once they get a little antsy, I think they'd yeah. probably, that wouldn't, that would be something that wouldn't really appeal to them. But yeah, no, yeah. It's kind of like the Cameron Crowe movie, Elizabeth Town. There's a okay. part when Orlando Bloom, his character goes home and all the kids are all running around rambunctious and like, oh, like his family's kids. And they're like, all right, you want to put the video in? And the video is just people blowing stuff up. Like that's the whole video construction guy goes on. It's like, yeah. hey, let's blow some things up. And then it's just, that's it. And the kids <laughs> are just like watching everything blow. Like that's the stuff like that they like. They don't care about all the story stuff. So, all right. but yeah. Do you think it was forgotten because of that? I think it's forgotten because I think your stars aren't really like Martin Sheen's a big star. Kirk Douglas is a big star, but obviously Kirk Douglas now isn't really drawing people toward him. I don't think Martin Sheen was ever like a big draw. Oh, you mean in the eighties, Kirk Douglas isn't really I a think, draw. Exactly. And I don't think Martin Sheen has ever been a big draw. I think he happens to be in very good things. I do think he's a fantastic actor. I don't think he's getting a crowd. He's, I don't think he pulls in. He's not a celeb. Like, you know, he's not like a movie star, right? But he is somebody who's got great chops. Who's got, who's a great actor. And he's in great things, but yeah, I, he's going to elevate yeah. what, what you're in, but he's yeah. not necessarily. And, and to his credit, I don't think he cares about that. I think he likes the fact that he goes where oh, the, yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not, that's not a diss on Charlie. No, Sean. no, I'm just, I, I yeah. agree. Or Martin Sheen rather. Uh, but they're kind of interchangeable when they're young. <laughs> they look, he looks just like his, yeah, his kids look just like him. Even, even Emilio Estevez look just uh, like a, a him. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, the, that's a great compliment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Catherine Ross uh, isn't a huge star, although she's been in really good things as well. James Farentino, who's your next star down the line, is a TV actor. Yeah, that that's where you that's yeah. The Charles Durning is probably he's probably an afterthought in this movie in terms of putting him in there. I don't think he really hits his stride until after. Yeah, this is this is one of his earlier. Well, ones. Dog Day Afternoon was in the seventies. 
right? Late 70s. Late 70s. This is where he's starting out when he's just taking roles. Yeah. No, I think once you get past Kirk Douglas and Martin Sheen, Ron O'Neill, yeah. Ron O'Neill has been in some stuff, but yeah, I think. By then, yeah, you're going to know him from Superfly, so you're going to get some audience there. He's not fly, he's Superfly. So I think that happens. I think maybe the fact that it's such a recruitment thing is also a turnoff. Yeah. The fact that all of a sudden, then the Navy had their posters, that movie poster everywhere. Yeah, I joked. Makes I was, it seem like a tool. I was thinking to myself, like, so outside the theaters, when people exit the movie, it's the Navy recruitment table right there. Hey, how you doing? You like the movie? That's how it would Sign be nowadays. Up. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, if the theater lets them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the mall we work where we work sure, with sure, our movie sure. theater had the Air Force. Oh, you're right. Station down you're there. right. Yeah. They would absolutely be up there. Sure. Sure. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of a turnoff when it's that. What's the word I'm looking for when it's that. Uh, Promotional, uh, obvious. Yeah. Oh, uh, blatant, blatant. Yeah. When it's that blatant, uh, it's more of a turn off than a turn on. I yeah. mean, yes, all that stuff is really cool and makes you want to join the Navy. But then when you leave it and it's like, yeah, why don't you do this? It's like, oh, so that's what this was. When they're not uh, hiding it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that hurts it. The fact that, again, you're right about to get into your story. You could have added 20 minutes and made a story, put a plot in this, and then you take it away and just have the magic wormhole magically solve your problems and, and yeah. fit make your choice for you yeah. right before you get into the actual paradigm that you present. Yeah. I think that hurts it a little bit, but I do think I enjoyed watching this because I think I really liked watching all the actual onset real stuff. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think you'll ever get a movie like this again in terms of that. Like it's not a compliment to its plot or anything, but it's like a compliment to the real stuff. I don't think anyone's going to spend the money, spend the time, work with the logistics and, and do a movie like this. I think you, unless the movie funds, unless no, the military starts funding see, movies. I think somebody like Peter Berg would do something like this. Like he did it with battle, even though battleships about uh, battleships, like obviously it is what it is, but battleship has, they, there's like a whole scene where they bring on all the old veterans of the ship because all the other people have been dead and they need to bring the old, and they run the ship and there's a part in battleship where they're actually working the ship and all these old guys who <laughs> served <laughs> in the military. Yeah. yeah. So I think Peter Berg is able to mix that in, in a lot of his movies in terms of real personnel, what, you know, not a recruitment per se, but just a respect of the armed forces within a storytelling and in his movie. I think he does it well. I think you can have a respect and you could do that well, but I think, I don't think you can do, but it's still, he, it boils down to sets sure. and CG when they're on the water. And I don't know if anyone's going to be willing to be like, all right, yeah, we'll let you go 12 months on the ocean in this, this boat and film something. Listen, if you're it's, thinking it's about, if you're, if there's a recruitment table outside your theater and you're watching the movie and you sign up, like you were thinking about signing up. The movie's not going to convince you to just drop everything and go. You were thinking about signing up to begin with. Right. It yeah. pushed you over the edge. Right. It just, it's yeah. They're just there because there are people that are thinking about it. But I'm, I'm saying that I don't think you get a movie like that again, not even in terms of recruitment, but in terms of just a movie studio doing it. I think they'll be like, um, well, we can do it. With well, this and, was, and well, here's CGI. the thing. This was a studio. Didn't, this is an independently made movie. And then you know, artists purchased it. Well, that's, so, yeah. that's another thing. Tom Cruise would make maybe this movie because Top Gun's all, even the new Top Gun's going to be all practical as well for the most part. Yeah. And real jets and stuff. So I think if you have somebody who's a big enough star who's like, no, I want to do it this way. Sure. Maybe then. Sure. Spielberg, maybe if he wanted to do another war movie, maybe you get somebody like that. Someone who's a little more old school. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Fury used real tanks. Eastwood would do it. But Fury wasn't the greatest. Eastwood would do it. Yeah. 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 
I'm wondering if like I was just trying to think about wars like you know we've there's so many World War Two movies and I love the World War Two time I love just the the history of it but, yeah you know and then for a stretch you had some Viet Vietnam stuff but we haven't really gone back to Vietnam in terms of a lot I mean I know Spike Lee did the Five Bloods and that was more of a then and now kind of movie yeah it's intermixed yeah yeah but you know I, I we haven't really and there's there were some Iraq movies some Desert Storm movies like Jarhead and whatnot and Jarhead Three Kings, Three Kings. but they're there really hasn't been a lot. So I'm wondering if, because all these are always cyclical in terms of what type of movies come out. One movie hits big and everyone's like, oh, I got, I need this type of movie next. Right. So I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing, you know, more Vietnam War movies or more, you know, Desert Storm movies. I'm wondering, because World War II is great, but it has been, there are a ton of so films. Mind it. Right. Well, 1917 just came out that's and that World did I. really great. Yeah. That's World War I. Well, there haven't been a ton of World well, War I movies. Well, you're not going to get a lot of World War I movies uh, from us because that is not the war that really shaped this country. It, it right. was World more War of World II War II. Was, II yeah. was what shaped, World War I is more English and, and 1917 is phenomenal. I'm sorry, but like it's on HBO. I, I have to turn it off because if I don't, I'm going to watch, watch it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's just, I don't know, pontificating about what would, what would, what would come down the pipeline. But Butler, why don't you let everyone know where they can find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod, depending on where you are. We post every week little fun facts and uh, fun commercials every Thursday. So check those out. You can find our podcast, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, let other people listen. It's you guys that help us grow. Oh, that's so that's right? so sweet. That's so sweet. And be sure to check out Fields Interview with writer David Ambrose, one of the writers of Final Countdown that comes out the day after this episode airs. So check that out. It's pretty cool. Join us next week. We will return for a 1998 neo-noir thriller, Palmetto, starring... Woody Harrelson and Elizabeth Shue, Gina Gershon. Ooh, I'm really interested in this movie because you I said did. that I put it on the list. You know what's funny? And I think you definitely. I'm staring put it on the at list. this poster, going, <laughs> "What is this movie about? <laughs> Why is this on our list? Why are we watching this movie?" I think I liked it. This is interesting. This is this is we have reached the tipping point. I forgot. <laughs> we have. We, we don't know what movies we're picking now. <laughs> what's happening? We'll I find out I, next week. <laughs> I think I did like this movie. I don't. I don't. I don't know what's going on here anymore. Uh, my God, Harry Barber is serving time in prison after being framed in a corruption scandal. It's not making any sense to me. I don't know. So Palmetto, that's next week. <laughs> uh, so join us as we figure out if we liked it as well. I'm Mike Fields. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. <laughs>